But good morning. Um, like y'all just saw, my name's Stanley Lane. Uh, first of all, I'll just kind of introduce who I am. First of all, I am a child of the King. Uh, that's who I am first. Uh, nextly, I am happily married for 18 years to Dawn Lane. She's not here today. She was on call for work, so she had to stay back home. Uh, but we've been married for 18 years, and we have, um, I'm also the father of six kids, five boys and one girl. Uh, that's a long story. So we took that command to be fruitful and multiply. We took it very serious, and uh, that's what we did. But I have five of my kids here with me today. And then lastly, I am the church planning resident for Connection Church. So we're in the process, and I, I even really hate saying that we're in the process of planning a church. Because really, God never called us to plant churches. He says, go make disciples. So what we're doing in Wilkeson County, we're actually going to make disciples in Wilkeson County. And, and we're told in Scripture that God says that he will build his church. And that's exactly what he's, he's doing. He's building a church in Wilkeson County. And so just a little bit about me. I did not come up in ministry. Um, my family didn't come up in ministry. Uh, I come straight out of high school into the Kaolin mining business. Uh, I worked my way from the bottom to the top into management. Uh, I just wanted to love God, love my family, and go to work. Uh, but God had different plans for the lanes for, for me. And so God started calling me into to, to ministry, and I, I just didn't want to do it. So I was introverted. I didn't want to be on stage. I didn't want to be in front of a group of people. Um, but God had different plans for me. And he just continued to, to just work on my heart and... Um, a lot of things were happening at the time, and I was listening to the book of Jonah. I was cutting grass, and the Lord clearly told me, he says, Stanley, you're Jonah. When are you going to quit running? And so I cut the mower off, and I began to weep, and I said, Lord, I don't feel qualified to do what you've called me to do, but my yes is on the table. Whatever it is, I'll do it. And I said, but I just need help figuring it out. Do I need to quit my job? Do I need to go to seminary? What do I need to do? And um, so I began, began to search. On, on my next step. What is my next step? And, and I wish I could tell you that right then and there, I quit my job, went in full-time ministry. I still, uh, there was some rebellion in me. And so what it took is uh, a back surgery, COVID, and the company that I worked for all fought, that all happened within the same week. And so I was laying flat on my back, couldn't move, couldn't go do, do anything. And just all I did was seek the Lord and pray and ask the Lord, what, what, would, what do you want me to do, and how do you want me to do it? And he made that path clear. And so, long story short, we ended up a connect group. I didn't go to Connection Church at the time, but we ended up in somebody's connect group. And we were always talking about next steps. What is your next step? And when it got to me, the guy leading the group told me my next step. He said, your next step is to be a pastor. He's like, God's called you to be a pastor. And uh, long story short, quit my job. Uh, stepped out in faith, uh, come on staff with Connection Church Dublin and started the residency for Connection Church Network. And I will tell you that God blesses obedience. And, and it, the journey has been awesome. It has been so cool to watch. So God has orchestrated this team to go along with me. And I didn't ask the first person to go with me. And I did that intentionally. I wanted God to put the people in place. And so God sent around 20 adults that we, we meet on Sunday nights in my living room. And we're just going through mission, vision, cultures, core values, and different things. Um, and matter of fact, some of my core team is here today. The Haltmans are here. I appreciate you guys driving so far. I love you guys. Um, but I'm just excited to see what God is doing in Wilkeson County. So it, we've been going for about 12 weeks with the core team. And just to kind of tell you a little bit of what God's done, 
not only did he bring those 20 people into our living room um, and their 30 kids, so we had 20 adults and 30 kids, um, yeah, uh, but we also started our youth. God really laid on our heart to go ahead and start youth, been big in FCA, and uh, we started youth on Wednesday nights, didn't know what to expect, and the school actually got word of it. And they actually bus kids over to our house. So a school bus comes down my driveway, kids get off, and we have um, worship, we have a message, the kids get to play and have good fellowship time. But in that first week, eight students received Christ, you know, so it was pretty cool. And not only that, uh, we have many more to come to know Jesus. Most of them are my family members, so my my sister, my brother-in-law, and my nieces, they also come to know Jesus through this. So if God don't do anything else in Wilkinson County... He's done enough, right? And then we, we actually had a, a baptism service at the house in the swimming pool, and I had about seven get baptized, so it was really sweet. So I'm just excited um, to see what God is doing and how he can just use anybody, just a normal, ordinary guy that has laid his yes on the table. And I just I, my encouragement for you is that God blesses obedience. Um, so a lot of firsts for me. So preaching, again, is, is a first. I didn't... I've gave safety meetings and, and talks to some of the staff at work, um, but God called me into ministry, and I knew preaching was going to be a part of it. So I'm thankful for the opportunity that Connection Church has given me to just go to all the different campuses, all the different churches, and, and just really get the reps in and, and actually preach. Um, and so there's been a lot of firsts, a lot of firsts for me, and actually teaching through Daniel, our Old Testament prophecy book, is very new um, to me. So um, I'm excited about this morning. And so this morning, if you want to turn there, she just read it, uh, we are in Daniel chapter 5. So the series y'all been in is the book of Daniel. And so if you're new to reading the Word, what I tell people that are new in reading the Word, the first thing you do before you go into the Word is you pray. And you ask God to speak to you. So I want to just y'all to take that opportunity right now. I'm going to take the opportunity just to pray and ask God that He would speak to us um, through His Word. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. First of all, for who you are. God, I thank you for what you're doing here in Athens. God, I thank you for what you're doing in Wilkeson County. And I thank you for what you're doing to the ends of the earth. And God, I just thank you for allowing me to be a part of what you're doing. And so, God, I just pray as we dive into Daniel 5 that you would do only what you can do. God, that you would speak to the hearts of your people. And God, that you would, that you would bring about conviction. You would bring about encouragement. And whatever the people may need today, God, that you would give it to them. And so, Lord, I'm just trusting you. I just pray that you would move me out of the way. And, God, that you would just speak and, and, and use me as a, just a vessel. So, Lord, we just love you, and I praise you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So the next thing, what we need to do when we read in Scripture, we pray, and then we get into the Word, and we ask all the W's, the, the, the when, the who's, and the what. So when in Daniel 5, so where we're at in Daniel 5, it's about 539 B.C., so it's 20 years have passed from chapter 4 to chapter 5. And Daniel is actually around 80 years old at this time. So a lot of time has passed. Now the Israelites, they're still being ruled by the Babylonians. So that is what the when. So who is this chapter about? And so as we see, as we first dive into it, the first few words, um, we see the name of King Belshazzar. So I don't want you to get confused with uh, Belshazzar, which is actually the Babylonian name given to Daniel. Uh, some commentators say that uh, Belshazzar is the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. I know verse 2 says that Nebuchadnezzar is his father, but that word father just means 
predecessor. You know, kind of think of like our forefathers. They're not our father, they're not our daddy, but um, they just precede us. So Nebuchadnezzar is actually um, his grandfather. And the, uh, we're actually told that in just commentators and in history that Belshazzar's dad is King Nabadias. I'm going to butcher that. Uh, King Nabadias, that's his name. We don't know where he's at at this time. Um, we do know that he's away and what he's done, he's left this, this spoiled, prideful son in charge as king, right? And we see what happens. And so me having six kids, I know if I leave my kids at home by themselves, I know what's going to happen, right? They're going to destroy my house. Um, they're going to party it up. When the cat's away, the mice will play. And that's, that's just truth. And that's exactly what's happening. Um, Belshazzar is just partying it up. And, um, and so God has reached his boiling point. He has reached his line in, in the boiling point. And, you know, a lot of times we hear of God's grace and his love and his forgiveness and his mercy. And that's, that's true of him. That's not, incom that's not incorrect. It's just incomplete. He is those things. However, he is also holy. He's also just. He is righteous as well. We just sang that song, Same God. He's the same God in the Old Testament as he is now today. So God never changes. So the main who in this book, in this, in this chapter, isn't Belshazzar. It isn't Daniel. The main who in this scripture is God. That's who it is. And that's what we're going to do. We actually get to see who God is in this passage. And I really believe that he has a message for all of us. Every person in this room this morning, I believe he has a message for us. So first of all, just to see who God is in verses 1 through 5, and I won't reread it just for the time, um, but we see that God will not be mocked. And, and Liam touched on this a little bit last week on, on mocking God, but what's happening is Belshazzar, is, he, he's celebrating. He's that spoiled rich kid. He's partying up, partying up. His dad's away. There's a thousand people or so at this, at this party, and so there's drinking going on. Belshazzar's wives and, and concubines are there, so we know adultery is happening. Um, but they're having a good time. And I want to ask this question. you think that still happens today? Did that happen in Athens last night? Yeah, it, it happens. Some of you may have been there. And no judgment. And we're glad you're here. But it happens, right? So Belshazzar's having this good old time. But he took it too far. He took it a little too far. He was mocking God. Um, so they were not only getting hammered. They were committing adultery. But they were using the holy silverware, the holy cups and, and goblets that his grandfather took from the temple, they were using them um, for pagan worship. And so uh, they were worshiping false gods, and so they were doing idolatry as well. So just just kind of give you a picture. So what this would look like if you were to come here on a Friday or Saturday night, and you got a DJ up here, and they're partying. Um, they're taking the communion wine, and they're getting drunk off of it, just having a good old time. They're just mocking God. That's what it would look like, and that's exactly what Belshazzar was doing. In Galatians 6, 7 through 8, Liam touched on this last week. He shared the same verse. It says, do not be deceived. He's talking to believers. He said, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whatever, whoever sows to please their flesh, the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, the Spirit will reap eternal life. So, so Belshazzar has mocked God, and now he's about to reap what he has sown. Right? So he's taking it too far. And then we get into verses 5 and 12, and we see all of a sudden this hand just comes out of nowhere. Could you imagine? His hand coming out and just writing something on the wall. And, uh, and then all the, the wise men and the magicians, they come in and they can't interpret what's on the wall. So that's when David gets called, or Daniel, not David. Daniel, I looked at David over here. Daniel got called in and Daniel couldn't, um, or Daniel told what it, what it meant. Uh, but the second point is God has a line. 
You know, God does have a boiling point. And Scripture is clear that, that God is patient with us, right? In 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But however, God has a line. You know, we all have a line. Even Pastor Stanley has a line, right? You mess with my wife and you mess with my kids, I'm going to have a ministry. It might be a prison ministry, but I have a line. And if you cross that line, I mean, that's, it's just going to happen. Somebody said you could take the street out of him, but you can't. You're, you can take him out of the streets, but you can't take the streets after, out of him. That's true of me, uh, right? So God's still working on me, so don't judge me. Um, but God has a line. And where is it? You know, there will be a day that God says enough is enough. There will be a day. And so we have a tendency to ask, how far can I go? How far is too far? Where is the line? If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Kids want to push that line with their parents sometimes. Um, but it's not just our kids. You know, we do it as well with, with God, even as believers, you know, with sex. You know, what base is too far? Or with drinking, how many drinks is too much? Or, or any, any sin, you throw it out there. And, you know, how can I have one foot in heaven and one foot in the world? You know, that's what as Christians we ask that. But going back to what's happening is there's a lot of sin happening. There's drunkenness. There's idolatry. There's adultery. There's sacrilege, which is blasphemy. Um, but do you know where all this started? It actually started with pride. It actually started with pride. We see that, and we haven't got that far in verse 22, um, that, that Belshazzar didn't humble himself. And it all started with pride. So what is, what is pride? And I tell people it's the middle letter in pride. It's I. It's the big I problem. I want it my way. I want to be the God of my life. And all through the Bible, we see many people fall because of pride. Proverbs 16, 18 says that pride comes before destruction. And so pride is what got Satan kicked out of heaven. And I'm afraid that a pride is going to keep a lot of people out of heaven as well. Um, I have seen that. And so I would dare to say that Belshazzar's pride is where God drew the line. I tell people all the time, either be humble or be humbled. Because God's got a way of humbling you. He did that with Belshazzar with just a finger. right? This writing that come on the wall is just his finger. This great and powerful king was scared to death. Some manuscripts said he actually sold his clothes when he saw the writing on the wall. So he was humiliated. He was humbled in front of thousands. Not only the king was humbled, but the wise men were humbled as well. And I don't even know, if you've been following this, this book, and these wise men come in, they're not able to do anything wise, right? They're not able to interpret dreams. They're not able to interpret the writing on the wall. So I don't even know that we could really call them wise men. But they were humbled as well because they couldn't interpret. You know, they couldn't interpret dreams. They couldn't interpret the writing on the wall. So God's got a way of humbleness. And the truth is he can just use his finger. And that's how powerful God is, right? So God flicks his finger and it all comes down. And we see that all through the, um, through the Bible. The power of God through just his finger. You know, if you go back to Exodus... Um, God wrote the law on the commandment on the on the tablets. He wrote the commandments with his finger, right? And then in Luke eleven twenty, Jesus cast out a demon just with his finger. And then John eight with the adulterous woman that was about to get stoned, Jesus writes in the stand with his finger. And what happens is religion is leave, leaves. So you see, this demons leave, religion leaves. The law was written, written. You just see God do a lot with his finger throughout Scripture. And but when it comes to pride. I believe that's where God has really drawn the line. He has really drawn it. Um, so then we move on. In verses 13 through 31, we see God not only give the judgment, 
um, but he carried it out as well. So he said he was going to destroy them, and, and that's what he did. He did that the, that same very night. So, you know, we see that God won't be mocked. God's got a line, but God is also just, right? He's a good judge. He's a good judge. In Numbers 14, uh, 18, it says, The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And now when I read this in, Je- in um, Daniel chapter 5, I asked a question, because if you go back to Daniel chapter 4, we see God give Nebuchadnezzar warnings, right? And we give him, he gives him time to repent. He gives him like 12 months. But then when I see Belshazzar, like he gave the, the warning and the judgment right then. Like it was just then. I was like, why didn't he give Belshazzar um, the warning. And the more I got to digging in Scripture and the more I get to reading and studying, really he did have a warning. So um, Liam hit on it last week. If you actually go back to the last chapter, at the very end, Nebuchadnezzar writes this letter and he says this in Daniel four thirty-seven. It says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt the, and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. There it is. God is just. And get, this is the warning. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So Belshazzar, his grandson, knew what happened. Daniel had just told Belshazzar everything that Nebuchadnezzar had done and, and called him out on it. He's like, you knew this. And so I believe that just like Belshazzar, I believe that we as Christians have come dull to the warning, right? We have come dull. And just a confession on my part, I never wear my seatbelt, right? Um, I, and if you're a cop, I'm sorry, but I just... I don't know. I just don't ever wear it. Don't know why. Uh, I tell my kids to buckle up, but I mean, do as I say, not as I do, I guess. But um, one thing about it in my car, and I drive a Prius. Don't judge me on that either. But in my car, like this alarm, the seatbelt alarm never goes off. It just keeps beeping. But I've heard it so many times, like I just tune it out. I don't hear it at all. So what happens, my wife will get in the car and she's like, will you just buckle up? She's like, that is driving me crazy. I was like, what's driving? She's like, the beeping, you don't hear it? And I don't pay attention to it. But I think as Christians, we've done the same thing. We've got dull to the warning that God has given us. And, I, and the warning that God has given us is he is coming soon, right? He is coming soon. And we've heard that all of our life. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But in the next few minutes, I really want what I want us to focus on, and I know we're running out of time, but I really want to focus on the warning that was actually written on the wall. Because I believe it was not only for Belshazzar, it's for us today. And so we're going to break down this warning and what is God telling us. So we've talked about the, the when, the who. This is what God is actually telling us right now. So the, the warning. It was many, many, tekel parson. So let's break that down. The first two words, many, many. So anytime in Scripture that words are mentioned many times, like in John, where it talks about abiding, or in John... Um, it actually mentions truly, truly. God, Jesus says truly, truly like 25 times. And what's that saying is you really need to pay attention. Like pay attention. This is very important. So when it says many, many, it means God is saying pay attention. So that word many means God has numbered our days. God is saying our days have been numbered, every single one of us. So each of us in this room has a time clock. We all have a time clock. And de- death does not discriminate. It don't care what 
how old you are, what color you are, your, your social status, um, death does not discriminate. 100% of us in this room will take our breath, our last breath one day. And so we are guaranteed only two days in life. We're only guaranteed two days. This day and that day. This day meaning today, and that day meaning the day that we take our last breath. And the truth is, this day could be that day, right? We could take our last breath right now. I read that every second, two people in this world take their last breath and stand before God. So in the hour or so that we've been here, like 7,200 people in this world have taken their last breath. Think about it. That's every second. Two people. Four people. Six people. I mean, it just keeps going. That's, so we never know. You know, and time's running out. Um, so our days have been numbered. The next word is tekel. It says, you have been weighed on the scales and found in warning. I can't, I can't read this and not think about Romans 3.23. We've all been weighed. Every single person in this room on the scales, and we've all been found guilty. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's every single one of us. Me, you, every, everybody. And so this means that we're all guilty of sin. So right, if we go through the Ten Commandments, and I don't have time to go through each one, but if I go through the Ten Commandments, I can guarantee you that everybody in this room would go 0 for 10 when it comes to the Ten Commandments. We've all committed. And even if you went 9 for 10, like you, he's like, I've only committed one of those sins, you're still guilty, right? If you've committed one sin, you're guilty. So if you think about a court, courtroom, if you were actually going to court right now, God being the judge, because he is a good judge, he is just. He is right. And we were standing in before God. What would he say? Guilty. You know, we would be guilty, right? And, and when we're found guilty, that goes to Romans 6, 23. It says, for our punishment, the wages of sin is death. So we deserve death. You and I both, we deserve death. But I'm thankful that that verse didn't end there. So Romans 6, 23 didn't end with, for the wages of sin is death. It said, but... <laughs> But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And that's where the gospel, the good news comes in, right? So Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were found guilty, Christ died for us. Not only did he die for us. Like, I hear that a lot. God, Jesus died for me. He died instead of me, right? He took my place, your place on that cross. So what do we have to do? We're standing in that courtroom. You know, Jesus comes in. Or God comes in and says, you're guilty, your punishment's sin and death. And, and Jesus is right there with us. So what is our part? In Romans 10, 9, it says this. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And, man, I think a lot in the Bible Belt that a lot of people just miss this. They miss this part of it. Like, everybody in this room wants a Savior, right? Who wants to go to hell? Who wants? None of us. None of us want to go to hell. We all want a Savior. But it says in there that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you think about what a Lord is, and the best definition that I, could, that I ever heard of what Lord is, I asked my, my daughter, and I said, what does it mean when she got saved? I said, what does it mean to have Jesus as Lord? She said, Jesus gets to be the boss of me, right? He gets to tell me what to do. You know, he's the king. He's my king is what she said. So is he your savior and your Lord or is he just your savior? Because everybody has a view of Jesus, right? Buddhists have a view of Jesus. The Muslims have a view of Jesus. Um, every religion has a view of Jesus. 
But if your view of Jesus is wrong, you don't have a Jesus that can save. So my question to you is, Jesus, your Lord, is he king of your life? Have you surrendered your life to him? And if you haven't done that and you stand, but you take your last breath and you stand before God, he's going to say guilty. Your punishment is death. You know, it's like, but I, I went to church, right? I, I, I went to Sunday school. I listened to Christian music, right? I believe that Jesus died and rose. It says even the demons believe, right? You know, uh, there's going to be a lot of people, I think, that when they get to their, the end, when they stand before Christ, he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And it's sad. So how will you be found on that day? How will you be found? So, there's your answer. So, the, the last word is partial. Um, Some manuscripts say different things. So it's partial. And so what this is, it means your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So this was Belshazzar's judgment. Like this, he, he, judgment was already, the hammer was already slammed down on Belshazzar. You're guilty. Um, you're going to die. And so I, when I read that, I wondered, could Belshazzar could have repented at that time? Could he have turned his ways? Like if you go back to the story of Jonah in Nineveh, you know, God had already, he's like, he's like this is what's fixing to happen. But they, they repented. They turned away from their sin. They turned to God and God relented. So I'm wondering if that could even happen for Belshazzar. But what happened is Belshazzar's pride wouldn't allow him to do it, right? It wouldn't allow him to do it. And what happened is Belshazzar was conquered and, and um, the Medes and the Persians come in and, and just destroyed everything. So his pride wouldn't let him. And so if, you're, if you don't know Christ this morning, I'm going to ask the question or I'm going I'm to say this. Don't let your pride hold you back from surrendering to Jesus. You know, I remember sitting in those pews and I remember God calling me, and I would grab that pew, and I would not let go, right? At the end, when, when the, the, the gospel was shared and the, and the uh, call to salvation was shared, like I would grab the back of the pews, and I would, I would just let my pride get a hold to me. So don't let your pride hold you back from surrendering to Jesus. So I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come back up. And as they come, you know, I read chapter 5. And one word just kept coming up over and over and over again. It's the word urgency. Urgency. We've heard over and over that Jesus is coming back soon, right? We've been hearing it for 2,000 years. Jesus is coming back soon. You see the crazy guy on the corner holler, Jesus is coming soon. Repent, repent. You know, the truth is he is. He is coming soon. You know, the average person only lives to... Maybe 76 years old. That's the average lifespan of a, of a human being. I'm 40. So I'm over halfway there. And I know that every year it goes by faster and faster and faster. You know, even if Jesus don't come back within that lifespan, I'm going to see Jesus soon. Like, and it's going to be very soon. Like I said, time just goes back faster and faster. So it is true. Jesus is coming soon. And we will all stand before him, every single one of us. We're going to stand before him. And we're going to hear either two things. We're going to hear, uh, well done, good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you. And that's what we're going to hear. You will either enter the gates of heaven and spend eternity with Jesus, or you'll spend eternity in hell. And that's, that's the only two places there we could go. So it says, Stanley, <laughs> it sounds like you're trying to scare me into heaven. I don't know who came up with that term, scare somebody into heaven. You cannot be scared into heaven. You don't get into heaven by being scared. You get into heaven by being surrendered as Jesus, to Jesus as Lord. That's how. It's by faith through grace. 
and surrendering your life to Christ. That's how you get into heaven. So I'm not trying to scare you. I just want you to see the urgency. That we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed that next breath that you're taking. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and as your Lord, today is the day of salvation. Again, we're not guaranteed the next day. And this warning isn't just for the unbeliever. This warning is for everybody in this room. Every single one of us, even as believers, it's a warning for us. We all have people in our life, family, friends, co-workers, that may not know Jesus. Right? They may take their last breath tomorrow. And just a quick story. God had put it on my heart to share the gospel with my grandfather. And my grandfather was a really mean guy. He's mean. I was scared of him. I was scared to share Jesus with my grandfather. And it was getting time when he was going to take his last breath. And so I, I built up the courage to go share the gospel. After God had told me over and over and over again to go share the gospel with my grandfather. And I, I sat beside him as he's laying in the hospital bed. And I just I asked him, I said, Papa, I said, do you know where you're going when you leave this world? He just kind of looked at me and I said, there's a way you can know. And I went to share in the gospel and he stopped me. He said, Stanley, he said, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And he took his last breath. I don't know where he's at today. I've got a pretty good idea where he's at. But what if I'd have been obedient all those other times that God had said, share the gospel? Where would he be? So we all have people in our life that need the gospel, right? In Romans 10, 14, it says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, the gospel. But not all the Israelites accept the good news. For Isaiah says, the Lord who... Uh, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. So faith comes by hearing. The only way we people can hear the gospel is if we open our mouth. We open our mouth. So when we become rescued, when we become believers, when we become rescued, we become part of that rescue team, right? We, we don't just receive the Holy Spirit so we can have a good life. In Acts 1.8, it tells us that we receive the Holy Spirit so we can be a witness. He gives us the power to do what He's called us to do, to go make disciples of all nations. He's given you that power to do it. He's given it to you. And yes, it's scary sometimes. I don't know why it is, but like when you're sharing the gospel with your family, it's harder to do that with your family than it is some of your, just your coworkers or your friends, right? I don't know why that is, but God's given you the power to be able to share the good news. You have a testimony. If you're in Christ, you have a testimony of how God took you from, from dead to life. Just share it. Share it. The only thing that you and I can take to heaven with us is people. That's the only thing. And that's why it was important to me just to, I wanted to be obedient. I wanted to be obedient to what God had for me to, and even to quit my job. Quit a six-figure salary to go make nothing, hardly, you know? <laughs> you know, but I, I could tell you again that God blesses obedience. And if I had another hour or so, I could tell you story after story since I took that that, that, that leap of faith of how God has provided. I mean, that same God song that we sang, He's providing then, He's providing now, and He does it. 
all he's calling us to be is obey. That's it. Obey and share the gospel and go make disciples. So I'm going to end there. And like I always end every service, anytime God's word is read and preached and taught, there's always a response, right? And so at Connection Church, we're big on next steps. So my question for you is, what is your next step? What is your next step? Every single one of us has a next step. If you're a, even if you're an unbeliever, you have a next step. And that next step is surrender your life to Christ. At Romans 10, 9. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he raised from the dead. And the Bible says you will be saved. So maybe you've already done that. Maybe you are a believer. What is my next step? I can't tell you your next step. I don't know it. I guarantee the Holy Spirit's whispering to you right now what your next step is. Maybe it's to go plant a church. You know, we, we're part of a network that believes in equipping people to do that. Maybe it's to be a missionary. We, we do that too. We equip people to do that. Maybe it's just a, some, something simple as sharing the gospel with your friends and family. You know, we all have next steps. So what is your next step? And so the worship team's fisting the scene in play. And so I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What is my next step? And then as he gives you that next step, don't delay. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Take that next step. Okay? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for who you are, God. And I thank you for um, just this story, God. It ain't just a story, God. It actually happened. Uh, and just the example and what we get to learn about who you are and what you do um, in us and through us, God. And, and Lord, I just pray that that word urgency is on everybody's heart right now. God, that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. This, the sky could split open right now and you could come back. And it would be too late for a lot of people. So Lord, I just pray that if anybody in this room don't know you, God, that today would be the day of salvation. God, that you would remove the veil from their heart and the scale from their eyes, and God, they would see you clearly. They could, they could know their need for a Savior, God. They would accept that good news. God, and I pray for the believer in this room, God, that, that word urgency again would be impressed on their heart for their family, for their friends, for their coworkers, God. God, I just pray that you would give them a boldness and a courage to be able to do what you've called them to do. And that's share the gospel. Share their story, your story, of what you've done in them and through them. So God, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for who you are, God. I thank you for what you're doing. And God, and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.